It's Father's Day. And uh, you know, we, we really do need to celebrate Father's Day. We need to make more of Father's Day. We need to make more fathers and support them. You know, I, uh, frankly, uh, we uh, are in that place where, sorry, my grandson was calling out to me then. Um, yeah, what was I gonna say? What was this about? Yeah. Uh, the truth of the matter is that um, as a father, I actually wasn't sure I was doing a particularly good job. I don't know about you guys, but I, I would look at my wife and I was just amazed at what this beautiful woman was doing with our children. And uh, you know, uh, she just, she raised four, well, she raised five kids, four children and me. And uh, any, any of you guys feel like that? I mean, is it just, yeah, isn't that crazy, you know? But truthfully, I just want to speak to you dads here. You may not feel like you're doing a great job. And sure, we make mistakes. And there are things I look back on. Honestly, I look back on in raising our kids where I just think, oh, did I really do that? You know? But hey, you know, I, 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 I found something, a secret uh, or, or, or a sort of secret hidden that I want to share with you. That in fact, in, in Jesus, my Lord, my God, my Savior, and I don't mind... Who knows this? I have found someone who is always encouraging me, who is always saying to me, uh, you know, well done, son. Well done. Come on, pick yourself up. Well done, son. And I'm just blessed that uh, I have a heavenly father who, who actually is coaching me every day of the year. And let's have an amen, shall we? Amen. So I found a nice little kind of affirming uh, video thing. You know how I like using a little bit of multimedia stuff. So let's just run that. Thank you very much, Matt. You know, I started the service saying how grateful I, well, I prayed it at some point, just saying how grateful I was that God Almighty, who could choose any title he chooses, there are many titles for God in the scriptures, but you know, he chooses to reveal himself to us as Father. What an extraordinary and poignant thing that is. And in fact, the disciples, they questioned Jesus about this. And in John chapter 14, it'll come up on the screen. John chapter 14, verses six, eight, and nine, says this. Jesus answered, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? This was a whole new idea to the disciples, these young Jewish boys who'd been raised up, you know, in a Jewish family with a Jewish context, who, who looked to God as as the all-powerful, the provider, the savior, the redeemer. Uh, but, but Father was a new idea. It was something that Jesus brought in. And uh, you know, it, it, it was something that they were, were wrestling with. But Jesus said, he said, look, you know, Philip, listen, bro. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And my prayer for myself as a father, my prayer for you as fathers, is that in some way, your children will see something of God's fatherhood in you. Now, that seems like a tall order, I know. Uh, you know, we're dealing with fallen human beings in whom the image of God is marred, but, but we are on that journey, aren't we? God has picked us up 
And God has enabled us to, uh, to just know him and his love and his coaching and his affirmation. But I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you three questions. I want to ask you a slightly odd question, and this is this one. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? It is a curious thing, isn't it? But uh, this week, I was listening to the radio when I was driving home, Eddie Mayer, you know, I listened to that five o'clock program. It's, it's, it's always interesting, sometimes humorous. But he's been doing this little thing where he's invited listeners to send in little reminiscences or, or little thank yous about their father. And, uh, you know, they were all the kind of usual things that you would expect. Every day there was a little block of these things. And, uh, you know, there were quite a few poignant ones. You know, my dad died this last year, and I wish I could just say to him how much I love him. You know, all the things that you would expect, and they were very touching. And then this lovely middle-class voice came up, uh, and uh, this lady just said, she said, rot in hell, Dad. It shocked me. It stuck with me. Rot in hell, Dad, she said. I thank God that I never allowed you to do to my daughters what you did to me. Rod in hell, Dad. And it was shocking because, I don't know, it was just not what I expected. It came out of left field, and it really made me sort of sit up with the jolt. And I want to say to you, whatever the history is, however you've done to this point, you know, you don't have to leave it like that. You know, if there are, if you need to make amends, if you need to reach out to your kids, regardless of whether or not they are wanting to reach out to you, and okay, maybe you need to respect that. But the truth of the matter is, there is an opportunity here, right now, today, for you to build a legacy. Now, legacy is a word that's tossed around a lot at the moment. Legacy is a word that is quite fashionable and popular. It's about, you know, it's all about what are you going to leave behind? You know, politicians talk about their legacy, and you know, they talk about uh, the, the President of the United States, you know, Obama, what will his legacy be? And, and in, in business, you know, what was the legacy when the chairman steps down or something like this? You know, what is our legacy? It's a kind of a, an in word. And the trouble is, I think, that, that what we don't realize is that every single one of us is leaving a legacy. And that's the way we tend to think about it. You leave a legacy, don't you? You know, maybe it's just cash. You die and, you know, the family sell the resources and divide up the spoils and all that kind of thing and go on a holiday, you know. <laughs> we leave a legacy. I, I'm not talking about leaving a legacy. I'm talking about building a re- legacy right now. You can determine whatever the past has been. And, and ladies, I'm glad you're listening up because this is not just true for the guys. This is true for you. Whatever your past has entailed, you can determine what kind of a legacy you're going to leave in the future. You can, you know, you, know you, can, you can decide now. Is it going to be easy? Of course not. Anything worthwhile is not easy. It's going to be a challenge. You're going to have to build bridges. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to lay down your life to some degree, and that's part of the Christian call, isn't it? But let me ask you a second question. I said I had three questions. The first one, they're going to be they're sort of loosely related, but you'll see where it goes in the end. What do you want to be remembered by? The second question is this. What does success look like for you? And this is really one for the guys. What does success look like for you? You know, for a lot of guys, I think for myself included, when I first started, you know, when I got married and started a family, success looked like, well, 
putting food on the table. That's the lowest common denominator, if you like. But actually, for me, I was a lot more driven than that. It was about providing for my family. And it was about having you know, a house in the country and, 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 and sending, my way, sending my kids off to, to private schools and, and, and providing for them. That's where my, what success looked like for me. I wanted the respect of my colleagues at work. I wanted, I wanted to provide for my family. And that was where I was driven. The downside, the pay on that was that actually I was very distracted at home. And I was not a good father. And my wife and I, we drifted apart. Fliss and I drifted apart. We became what is commonly called married singles. We were married, but we were living single lives. Having a family actually did help us considerably, but it was when the Lord Jesus intervened that we suddenly sort of went, came up with a jolt. But the early few years of my life, for all sorts of personal reasons, I was driven to succeed. And I was driven. You may still be in that place. But I mean, I want to ask this question. You know, what does success look for you? You, you may not be like me. You may not be driven like that. If you're a young person, talking of legacies may be a whole new concept. But let me ask you this. Are you the kind of young person, young adult, who wants to make an impact? Maybe you're asking questions about significance. Maybe you have a sense of call, but you haven't defined it yet. When you start asking those questions, whether you realize it or not, you've taken the first step to building a legacy. And you need to take the long view. It's not just what can I get through, you know, what, what can I do in the next year or so. Of course, if you're at uni or something like that, you know, you've got some pretty significant hurdles in the way which need to be dealt with. But you need to be thinking about, you know, where do I go from here? And the earlier you start thinking about legacy and not just making impact, it's the sooner you can get on with building it. And it definitely benefits from a little bit of time. I read uh, a little quote from John Maxwell, which really does it for me now. John Maxwell, many of you know, uh, is a, a sort of a leadership guru. He's a pastor. He's getting on a bit now, but he's a lovely man, lovely, lovely man with a real passionate uh, love of the Lord Jesus. But he said this, he says, I want the people who know me the best to love and respect me the most. Wow. I'll repeat that. I want the people who know me the best to love and respect me the most. You see, very often we're all too concerned about what others, you know, for, for men, maybe ladies as well, but we're, we, we want the respect of our colleagues or our competitors in the business world. We're looking at that, and very often the family comes up late, or sometimes you know, it comes up last, or there's sometimes seemingly an annoyance or an irritation or a hindrance to that. God forbid I, you know, I've known that sort of thing. But the truth of the matter is, I want to, from this day on, I want the people who know me the best, and many of you know me pretty well, I want my family and you guys to love and respect me the most. What you see here and what you know of me out there is what I want you to see and be. And I'm working on that as a legacy. I know what, I, I, I know what some of you are saying. You're sitting there and, and you're getting kind of flashbacks. And some of you are saying, it's too late. It's too late. Chris, <laughs> respect, bro, you know, like, nice talk. It's too late for me. 
I'm div- of divorcee. Of, you know, this has happened. That has happened. You know, it's too late. And I want to say very specifically, now watch my lips, and I want you to take this away. That's a lie. That's a lie. And it's a lie that many men in particular are living under. They just think it's too late. So what do they do at that point then? They give up on themselves, and they have a bit of a kind of a Damascus moment to say, well, I'm going to try and really reach out to the kids, and I'm going to try and make it for them. Mums do this as well. Well, my life is rubbish. You know, I'm rubbish, but I'm going to invest in my kids so they don't make the same mistakes I have or have a better life than I have, etc., etc., etc. I want to say to you, whoever you are and wherever you are, do not give up on yourself. Why? Because God hasn't. You are valuable to him. God hasn't given up on you. You may say, it's, I'm, it's, it's just too late, Chris. I, I've made too many mistakes. I'm, I'm just too tired. I mean, boy, life happens, doesn't it? In spades. You just haven't got the energy to go again. Or I'm just too old. It's too late, Chris. You know, kind of leopard change, change its spots. The answer is yes. It can. And thank God it's not all down to you. Because there is a loving father, a loving father, call him God. Call him Jesus, who knows you and died for you just as you are. But the good news is you don't have to stay as you are. You can build a legacy. You can start from this day. You can turn over a new leaf, all those cliches, but it's truth. We stand as Christians testifying to the truth. God has not given up us. He sent his son. As I said right at the beginning, you know, when we're left to our own devices, we get up to a heck of a lot of mischief. Many, you know, many of the elements that we've been unwillingly and unwittingly party to over the last three, couple of months, the catastrophes are due to the dark side of us, the mud image in us, the greed in us. But what keeps springing up is the good in us. I love the way, I think it was the, the, Her Majesty the Queen, it may have been Theresa May, but I think it was the Queen, who said, what really, it was the Queen, she said, what really has struck me is how in the face of all this, you know, love and community and helping one's neighbor keeps rising up. You see, we are made in the image of God, we're not perfect, but that kind of thing, that seed in us, that, that, that bit of our, our genes, as it were, that God has put there, still gives a witness to a God who loves us. Hundreds of people are not passing on the other side of the road because God has placed his image upon us. Does that image need to be repaired and redeemed? Yes. But you've got to believe it's possible to begin with because, and I've often said this to people, you may not believe in yourself, but God believes in you. God believes in you. And God has a new identity for you. I'm going to ask you this. Where does your identity sit? Is it that you're a plumber or a caretaker or a politician or a businessman or something? Is that, is that where your identity is sitting? <sighs> I've been in that place where I, I've taken on these, these cloaks, these mantles and these, these, these identities. And when I've acquired them and when I've worked them a bit, after a while I've found them wanting. 
But God has an identity for you. And this has been made possible because all the crud in our lives, that stuff which we call sin, which gets in the way that continues to mar our very best efforts, all of that stuff has been dealt with. How has it been dealt with? How has it been, how has the slate been wiped clean? It's been wiped clean, as many of you know, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for us. God himself stepped in, pushed through the melee, pushed through the crowd, pushed through all the excuses, pushed through the rejection, pushed through the hatred, pushed through the evil. He took it upon himself. He went, I'm going to take it. All right? And suddenly we don't have to be defensive anymore. Suddenly we can, we can actually say, really? You would do that for me? And the answer is yes. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I'm going to keep it short today. We want to enjoy the sunshine and appreciate the cars and each other's company. It's right that we do that. But I found another little video for you. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Another little video called Identity. And in this, the creator, the, the, the artist here has really spoken into what I'm, I'm talking about here. How God is wanting to create a new identity within us. Whatever your background, it's not too late to meet with Jesus to say, Lord God, will you forgive me and can I begin again? Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you to you for your presence. We thank you for this thing we call the good news, Lord God, which means that we can begin again. Lord God, you've seen it all. You've seen the wickedness and the, the atrocities that we devise. You've seen the foolishness. You've seen the mistakes, both conscious and unconscious. Nothing phases you. I've certainly been phased this week, as many of us have. Nothing disturbs you other than oppressing the poor, Lord God, and rejecting your son. And we want to say thank you, Lord God, because you've gone to the most extraordinary of lengths to enable us to begin again. And so, Lord God, we ask your forgiveness. We ask you to forgive our sin. We ask you to fill us and refresh us and enable us to build a legacy individually and as a corporate uh, and as a community something that will honor you. And Lord, we aspire that those who know us the best, may they love us the most. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.